This is Dean Cantu. I want to welcome you to the March podcast for Future Insight. Uh, with me here today is Dr. Tim Indall. And I'm uh, going to give you a little moment here, uh, Dr. Indall, to uh, give us a little insight into your background. Uh, and, uh, and then we'll uh, have some, uh, uh, some uh, more in focused conversation in terms of uh, some of your experiences and also in your current position with the, with the Mayo Clinic. Fantastic. Thank you, Dr. Cantu. I, uh, I appreciate the invite. Um, so uh, I am a, to start with, I'm a teacher by trade, so I, I began my career in the classroom. Um, I have an undergraduate degree in elementary education with uh, middle school minors in math and science, um, and I've kind of taught across that spectrum um, over the course of my, my K-12 teaching career for six years. Uh, so I started my career in northern Minnesota with a mix of um, middle school teaching and math and science, and I also I held a role as an elementary science specialist uh, in my last year there um, before going um, back to southern Minnesota where I, I taught in one of the first charter schools uh, in the United States, um, Bluffview Montessori School, and in that time I, um, I also got my full Montessori certification. So Montessori is a big part of um, who I am professionally, and it, it drives a lot of what what I'm interested in, kind of those those styles of learning. Um, from there, I I went off to well, I guess I was in the in the midst of that. I also um, I have a master's degree in science education um, that I got from Western Governors University in the in the scope of all those pieces. But um, after that, I went off to to Salt Lake City and and got a doctorate in educational psychology from the University of Utah, um, and then from there I, I held a, a, a professorate at Winona State University in teacher education uh, in, Roger, in Rochester, Minnesota, so Winona State has a couple different campuses in Minnesota, um, and so I spent time uh, in teacher education there. That program was fairly unique in terms of a lot of the components of teacher education. Typically you have a split between methodological courses and the theoretical courses. Um, and those were all integrated in the program that I was in. Um, and so I taught like one big eight credit STEM methods class. And so it was a mix of science methods and math methods. And then, and then some of the learning theories that, that undergird those. Um, and then there was a big clinical component to that as well. So we were out in the classrooms regularly six times in the first year, um, all connected to the coursework that they were doing. So it was really trying to bridge that classroom theory and an actual classroom practice. Um, and then while I was doing that, I, I became introduced to the Inside Out program at Mayo Clinic. Um, and I, I worked for several years with that program as a consultant, uh, as an educational expert. And so I'd come and I'd teach. Um, we do internships uh, in the summers. They're 12 days for teachers. Um, and I would come bring pedagogical expertise to those. Um, and then uh, just a little over two years ago, they, they offered me a position. So now I am currently the education coordinator for Inside Out uh, at the Mayo Clinic. Um, and I guess a little bit of what we do there is so we partner with, with school districts. We're, we're local in Rochester, Minnesota, but we also uh, we have what we call hubs in, in, in Minneapolis, St. Paul area, in Chicago, and uh, in Brevard County, Florida as well. And we partner with local school districts to, uh, to train teachers and students how to be scientists um, with a goal then of improving learning. And then we also have a, a clinical component to what we do. So we're looking to also improve the health of the communities that we're working with. Um, 
In that regard, in terms of the Inside Out program, uh, this is a program that predates your arrival, uh, and and there was another um, director of that, or are you the first individual to serve in this capacity as the education coordinator? Uh, so it predates me. So Inside Out formed in 2009, just in Rochester. Uh, it was kind of a ground-up effort from, from teachers and principals in the schools in Rochester who felt that being in the back, in kind of in the backyard of Mayo Clinic, they could offer their students more in science, and so they reached out. Um, and it's kind of grown organically from there. Um, initially, and really up until I um, I came on board full time, there were no full time employees who were education centric in their in their training. So uh, it was primarily all scientists that, uh, and still scientists primarily. But there have been no one in the in the program organization who worked full time as an educator. Uh, and so when I came on board, it was primarily to say, all right, we're really an organization that that bridges science and education. We really need to have both, both voices present at the table kind of full time. Um, Excellent. And then obviously with teachers, uh, you're trying to provide them with the professional development they need uh, uh, to, uh, to teach effectively in the classroom, in the STEM fields. Uh, what is the goal or the intent of the Inside Out program relative to students in, uh, in K-12 schools? Sure. Uh, so we are really looking at providing growth and particularly our focus is on uh, marginalized students, students whose, whose, um, whose voices are often not heard or not receiving um, the education they could. So we're looking at that achievement gap, um, but also looking at gaps in, in clinical care among some of those same populations. Uh, so, so when we come and we train our teachers in the summer, we train them on scientific techniques and we train them to be familiar with um, zebrafish, which is a model organism that we use. Um, for science learning. Uh, we do some pedagogical training as well, but the goal of that whole thing is th- to the teachers to, to identify as a scientist, that I can do science and I can be a scientist. Uh, and then they write curriculum for their classrooms as a piece of that as well um, to essentially translate that experience for their students. So their students are doing science, you know, real science with, with zebrafish primarily um, with the goal of being scientists. And we really push towards uh, this what we call the edge of science or the edge of what knowledge. So we're looking at having students engaging in those scientific questions that we don't have answers to. Uh, so we think there's no, there's no age bound on being able to do that. Uh, so that's a big part of, of what we're aiming for as well. Excellent. And, and uh, the zebrafish play uh, an important role. What, how did you arrive at uh, utilizing zebrafish to, to achieve these ends? You know, I, it really came down, to be honest, is who, who that, who who that initial teacher reached out to was a zebrafish scientist. So zebrafish are a really good organism for studying humans because of how much genetic similarity there is. So there's something along the lines of 70% of, of human, human genes um, have some sort of a form in zebrafish and something like 84% of the disease-linked genes in humans have a, have a, a zebrafish version as well. Um, so there's a lot that we can study in zebrafish that that maps to humans, and so we might expect similar outcomes. So, um, so it just happened, I, I guess, or maybe there was there was a link there. But um, Dr. Steve Ecker, who was one of the principal founders of Inside Out, um, is a zebrafish scientist. That's what he does. And so, um, when they train teachers, it was natural to train them using this same model. Now, there are several features about zebrafish that make them really appealing for work with kids too. Um, they're transparent. Uh, as embryos, so they're easy. you can see through them with a, with a simple dissecting microscope. Um, they develop very rapidly, so through the full embryonic stage in three days, 
Um, so from just a single cell all the way up to, to swimming around in the Petri dish in, in a matter of days. Um, and then uh, they're pretty easy to care for. So it's so there's a, there's a lot of factors. So those things work well for science, but they also work well for kids because they can see things happen really quickly. Excellent. How did your early background, particularly I'm intrigued by your, your, um, uh, your experience in uh, teaching in a Montessori school, how did that sort of guide or inform you in terms of what you do now for the, uh, for the Mayo Clinic? Sure. So one of the big things really, or a couple of the big things about Montessori that, that drove me early on, and it, interestingly it was the math piece of Montessori that really drew me in as I went through the training program, but that's not necessarily what drives me now, but the idea of, of, of hands-on learning is so big in Montessori that, that getting a concrete understanding of something, being able to see it and do it, is really important. And then Montessori has really valued the idea that, that children can do work and, and work that has value and purpose. And I think that really dovetails well with what we're, what our thoughts are. That you know, kids can do real science, and a lot of times. Um, kids come up with ideas that scientists working in a lab might not think about because it's just they're coming from an entirely different perspective and so they have something to offer and I think that that, that's strongly rooted in in the principles of Montessori Excellent, excellent The program that you offer, you have the summer uh, training or institute or uh, uh, workshops that you make available to the teachers what does it look like during the regular academic year what what is your presence or your footprint in the schools um, are, are, are teachers still coming to you or are you going out into the schools sure so really we are we're partnership driven so I mean outreach is in our name so integrated science education outreach is kind of where if you if you break down inside out that's what it that's what it would be an, an acronym for but um, we really don't consider the outreach so much because really we're about building partnerships so during the school year, we're out in the classrooms, and so every community in which we're located, we have a, at least one full-time employee, but usually there's, there's several that, um, that work to bring resources. Whenever teachers are running curriculum with us, they're bringing microscopes or zebrafish embryos or whatever they need to them so that they can do them. They don't have to try and find a way to come out to get them. Um, and then we're also um, coordinating when they need scientists, volunteers in their classrooms, so really try to make that connection between the living science and the and the students. Uh, so we have someone that, that's making sure all these things come to the teachers so it's not an extra step they need to take to go out and, and get what they need, but they go through the process and say, all right, I want to run this module from over this two weeks, and these are the days we're doing experiments, or these are the days we need scientists in, and then we work in the background and, and get the right people to them on those days. Excellent. One of the things you mentioned earlier is is you're helping to provide growth, particularly for marginalized students. Um, what do you see as some of those key variables, particularly in trying to to uh, to bring STEM into uh, into the schools as a potential uh, career path, uh, and particularly for students that might be first generation students or students that are from underrepresented population or are, are marginalized? Uh, what what have you seen to be key factors, whether it's, it's initiatives you've taken or strategies or information or resources um, uh, that have, you believe, uh, have made a difference in terms of, of making STEM one of those potential options for individuals in post-secondary uh, uh, schooling or training? So I think there's a few different things. One, um, one is starting early. So I think um, if we don't start till high school, I think that there's a lot of research out there that shows that um, a lot of the ideas that kids have already said about what they want to do. And so the fact that we started as early as kindergarten working with kids is, I think, important. 
Um, two is we, we really strive to take, um, to bring in diverse groups of scientists into the students so that, that students can see someone who looks like them um, in the classroom so they, they can see from an early on, yeah, this is, this is something that could work for me. Um, I see myself in this scientist. Um, and a lot of what the scientists come and do is just share, what do I do as a scientist? You know, and the kids will ask questions, really, you know, questions about what do they like to do outside of science too, but I think that makes science a human thing. Um, for the kids, and so it's something that, that is of value. Uh, and then the other piece, and it, it, another part of what we do is one of the, I say it's not a slogan, but we have a, a saying called prescription education, and um, so the idea there is that um, we study in all of the work that we do some form of health, and so some of our big four themes are mental health, obesity and diabetes, or fitness and nutrition, um, immunology, so we study those health components come into many of our curricular modules and then by studying those things and learning about those things often connected with zebrafish so they can do real studies on them um, the intent being that they then can make healthier choices themselves because they've seen the impacts in the science that they're doing themselves excellent excellent when you look at at the program uh inside it out and you you um each year, I presume you go uh, go through uh, not just at the end of the year, but throughout the program, you, you you evaluate what you do and trying to make sure that what you do is is always efficacious in design, and you adapt to uh, the current demands of uh, you know the, the time period that we find ourselves in. Um, when you go through that process, what have you seen during your tenure, whether it's at the Mayo Clinic or even if you go back early on in your career to today, um, what do you see relative to STEM education, uh, uh, both in terms of in Minnesota, but across the United States, uh, what kind of, of, of changes have we we've seen occur in terms of STEM education uh, in the schools and the K-12 curriculum? But also, what have we seen in terms of the, the ability to translate that into uh, the next generation going into the STEM fields and perhaps having greater representation, whether it be uh, gender uh, or racial, ethnic representation of individuals, considering going into science, technology, engineering, uh, and mathematics? Um, I think I've really seen, I mean, even if I think back to early in my teaching career, um, just the availability of, of different options and different things. I mean, I can certainly remember from early in my career, science was mostly just you know, at the elementary level, in particular, here's your book. And, you know, it, it's more about what facts can I remember, what facts can I, can I get, um, versus there's so much more active now that um, showing science is an active, something that we do, um, rather than simply something that we learn about. Because um, I think it really science is a practice more than it's a set of knowledge. Um, and so I've, you've seen a lot of growth in that, I think. And this idea of STEM, um, at least from my perspective, being something that's interconnected. And so interconnecting science and math and technology and even inter inter interconnecting it with, um, with other disciplines like reading and writing. And um, I think that's the real world is that, I mean, we don't have these specific, you know, disciplines or subjects that are out there in the real world everything kind of works together um, and so I see at least in places that there's moving towards trying to integrate those pieces together and learning as well excellent excellent the uh, you're here in Peoria uh, the, today and uh, in the latter part of this week here could you talk a little bit about uh, uh, why you were here and uh, what you were going to be uh, to 
talking about, speaking about, uh, at the event that brought you here to Bradley University? Sure. So I've been invited to, to, to do a lunch keynote for the, for the STEM education conference for K-12 educators um, here at Bradley tomorrow on Friday. Uh, and I'm going to talk a little bit about, about what we do at Inside Out. Um, but I'm also going to try and talk about a few different takeaways that I think could really make some positive changes to STEM education in general that aren't tied to a partnership with us. Um, so, so things that teachers might be able to do in their own classrooms um, on their own, even without any, any specific partnership. Excellent. What is the fit for uh, what you do, but also just sort of STEM education writ large, relative to the K-12 curriculum and the... Uh, uh, the, for example, the, the next generation science standards. A lot of times, as you're well aware, that sort of drives uh, either states have either adopted that uh, or it has guided them relative to the, uh, uh, the drafting of state standards for science in particular. Uh, what is the relationship with what you do uh, inside out, uh, but also STEM education with respect to uh, the next generation science standards? I guess, in effect, is, is that a good fit, STEM education, or is that a is that a good start? I think it's a good. I think it's a good start. I think that next generation science standards are. We're getting at the idea of, of again, this integrated nature of what science and STEM is. Um, but I think that I think it's a little bit of a work in progress, as I've seen it, just because it's a fairly complex and complicated piece. And I think until more people are doing it. Um, I think it's going to take some time for us to really understand how they work. Um, I mean, and it, it's what we do with Inside Out. Um, because our teachers are writing curriculum with us, whatever standards they're using are the standards, you know, whatever standards in the state, that's what we're, that's what we're working with. And so right now, um, that hasn't been, there are no states that we're working, or no teachers in states we're working with that are, that are working with NGSS um, kind of as they are written. Um, but, but it's on the horizon. And so it's something that we're aware of um, in the work that we're doing because it, it's coming. And, it's, and I think it's the right direction. I think that looking at science in that way is, is of value. Um, I just still think that we're going to find out that we have a lot to learn as these are implemented more. Um, because, I mean, you write something with, without you know, actually implementing it with kids, and um, there's a learning curve there to when you see how it actually works in practice. Absolutely, absolutely. One of the things we see in uh, in Illinois, and, and I'm not sure if this is the case in, in Minnesota or across the United States, is we're seeing a lot of schools um, that are uh, carving out or creating uh, STEM teachers, uh, uh, educators, and STEM centers, uh, classrooms, uh, and it's becoming uh, a part of the uh, of the curriculum, particularly in the uh, uh, in the K uh, K eight curriculum, but we're, we're even seeing this at the secondary level and the high school level as well. Um, and it is not a substitute, obviously, for science and math education. Uh, it is meant to be a complement, uh, meant to enhance. Uh, meant to be sort of a, a curricular nucleus, I guess, if you will. Uh, what are your thoughts, whether it be on, on STEM teachers, STEM educators, starting to see that sort of that phenomenon uh, flourish? And maybe it's, it's, it's more so in Illinois, pronounced in Illinois than Minnesota. But not only that, but what about the, the STEM rooms and the maker spaces that we start to see? I mean, yeah, we're seeing this all the way down in the, you know, in, the, in the elementary, but certainly that's becoming more commonplace in middle school and high school uh, 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 
in their their space, their teaching and learning space, these maker spaces. What is this a is this a uh, is this a positive development, uh, or are there any sort of uh, cautionary notes uh, when when schools consider hiring a STEM teacher and creating a, a maker space? I guess I think what I think well, it depends on how they use it. I think a STEM a STEM teacher, a STEM specialist, however you do it, could could be used in many different ways. And if it's just STEM becomes this old thing off by itself, um, where the teachers don't do anything related to that anymore because they, they have their STEM teacher, then um, that would be a, that would make me pause. Um, but it also can be a place where this is a this person. I think you use the word nucleus. Can be a nucleus to kind of that interdisciplinary nature of what I think STEM really is at its core, um, where there can be connections among among the different disciplines, you know, whether, you know, at the elementary level, I think it's a little bit more natural because the teachers tend to teach most of the subjects themselves. Uh, and so looking at how things cross um, is easier to do when you've got all of those spaces in your own room. Um, but if a person like a STEM teacher can be there to help give ideas and help um, kind of bridge some of those gaps I think that that's fantastic in addition to doing some you know having having someone who understands how to use a maker space so that um, that space can be fully available to the kids I think that has a lot of value um, and if you start to look into the high school I think that that person really could be a good intermediary between the disciplines you know looking forward because it's we struggle we do we have we do a curriculum that goes up to high school and what we do and what we have found is even if we can get all of those teachers in the, you know, we've had times where we've had teachers from all the disciplines together at a summer internship and they write curriculum that bridges all of those subject areas. So it crosses all those boundaries and it's, it's integrated. But then we discover in practice that they may not have all their kids going through all of their classrooms at the same time. And so um, there's a lot of scheduling conflicts that can get mm-hmm. in the way, but I think it's possible that having someone at that level who can who can serve as kind of a go-between but could really be an interesting concept because um, I, I like I said in my in my in my belief that integrated interdisciplinary nature is really the core of what STEM is more than just science technology engineering and math but this idea of how things integrate and work together excellent excellent the uh there's a report that, that used to come out. It actually was discontinued about a year ago. It's called the Horizon Report. I'm not sure if you're familiar or not, uh, but it, it, it was put out by the New Media Consortium, and it would look at what is on the horizon, uh, and particularly for technology integration in, in, the, uh, uh, in K-12 schools. Uh, so over the years, things that were on the horizon, three years out, five years out, that kind of thing, you know, we've seen items on the list, uh, augmented reality, virtual reality. We've seen you know, 3D printing, uh, wearable technology that kind of thing. What, if you could, for, for our listeners, if you could talk a little bit about what's on the horizon, in your opinion, three, five years out, uh, in terms of, particularly in terms of STEM education uh, in, uh, in K-12 schools, uh, both, both with respect to whether it's pedagogy, the, the technology itself, curriculum, curricular design, um, but also in terms of the role that STEM plays and the importance it has, uh, particularly for individuals that are coming out of high schools and can Considering going into the uh, STEM fields, what's out there on that on that horizon? So I think we see. I mean, I've seen a fair amount, and I don't know if it's we're going, but I think that fits in there is that this idea as you get of kind of personalized learning is out there in that space. Um, but I think really the idea of bringing 
problem solving back in to, I think that STEM can really bring this idea of how do we solve problems um, together. I mean, I think you look at you look at this being a cooperative thing as well, but um, I think that there's certainly been a period in our in our schools in the country where that that's been lost to um, to the number of tests and where where the accountability lies in in K-12 education today. Um, but I think that you start to see in what STEM is that idea. Let's go back to okay, we have a problem. How do we solve it? Um, let's get our kids being thinkers, um, because that's really what what the STEM field demands is people that can go out and think and solve problems and apply what they know uh, to a new problem. Excellent, excellent. Anything else that we haven't uh, talked about uh, that you'd want to, to share with our listeners uh, in terms of STEM education, in terms of Inside Out, uh, uh, your program at the Mayo Clinic, uh, or, or what you're going to be talking about here at Bradley uh, over the next, uh, the next day? I think we've I think we've hit most everything I'm just I I really I think a big part of what we do that I think is a could be a good learning is 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 building partnerships between different um, different what's the word I'm trying to look for um, stakeholders I guess right. but um, between scientists and teachers and people in the field of engineering between I mean just all of those connections benefit everyone. I think as, as partnerships happen, the students improve, the teachers improve, the people in those fields improve um, just by getting people talking to each other that maybe don't talk to each other on, on a normal basis. Um, I think everyone grows. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, again, Dr. Indal, I want to thank you for, uh, for being here on our, our March uh, podcast for future insight uh, and again uh, we thank you for uh, for taking time out of your schedule here to uh, to talk with us so again we talked with today uh, dr. Tim Indall who is the education coordinator for integrated science education outreach at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester Minnesota thank you again dr. Indall. thank you for having me